Hello, and welcome to No Clear Direction. I'm your host, Bill Gladwell, and this show is dedicated to giving tips, techniques, and real-life advice to help you build your communication skills, expand your comfort zone, and make you a better human being. If you have any questions or comments, contact me through my website at hypnosisforhumans.com. Enjoy the episode. This episode, I sit down with comedian Mike Armstrong. I first heard of Mike on The Bob and Tom Show. Mike has made a name for himself on The Bob and Tom Show as their favorite ex-cop. And he has also appeared on Comedy Central, HBO, CMT, Fox, and across the U.S. We talk about how he made the move from being a cop to comedian and what it takes to be successful. I'm Bill Gladwell. If you don't know me, look me up. Google me. I'm I'm the guest, Mike Armstrong. And if you don't know Mike, you can probably look him up too, right? I've been on HBO, Comedy Central, CMT, Fox. I'm the ex-cop from the Bob and Tom show. That's what everybody knows me from. Yeah, well, that's that's how I knew you from, is from the Bob and, and, and Tom show. And I'm a comedian. Show. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's I'd right. throw that in that's there. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, you've been on the Bob and Tom show a for a while. times. Yeah, probably 15 years. Uh, man, and that's when my career started. I actually was going to quit comedy and go back on the police department. And Bob goes, no, don't do that. We'll make you famous. We'll make you money. Really? Everybody's going to know who you are. And I said, okay. I trusted him. You know, so, because I just couldn't make no money in comedy. I, could, I had too many kids and I had a wife at the time. And, uh, you know, anybody that's a comedian, you know, you're going to go through at least one or two wives. I mean, don't. They always meet waitresses and then go, oh, 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 she understands because she was in comedy. And then all of a sudden she has a baby. Oh, it must be nice. You are down in Florida at the beach while I'm sitting here changing diapers. (laughs) Then they get a divorce. You were a cop. Yeah. Did you want to be a comic before that? No, I didn't. I didn't even know what comedy was about. There was actually a comedy club in Louisville where I'm from. And uh, there was actually a disturbance one night at the club, and me and about five other cops walked in because we didn't even know what a comedy. I did not even know what a comedy club was. Okay, I, I you know, I knew they existed, but I, I assumed they existed in Vegas or California or something like that. You know, but uh, we walk in. There's a comedian on stage, and he doesn't know that we're cops, and he tells us to shut up. And I said, "You better shut your face, boy." I said, for you go to jail. Well, then the manager yelled, show's over. <laughs> <laughs> so me and him are actually very good friends now. Really? The comedian I was going to arrest because I was mad. Telling him, telling me, shut up. Yeah. But he couldn't see me in the dark, you know. <laughs> and then uh, that's how I kind of got interested in it. I thought, well, I didn't really think he was that funny. <laughs> <laughs> So I went, people like that. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna try it out. And then they opened up a new club in Louisville, and I went down and watched open mic for like probably three weeks. One week I'd listen to material. Next week I'd watch the way they walked around on stage, and next week I'd watch how they used the microphone. And I went, oh, okay, I can do this. And I went up the first night on open mic. I never told anybody I was going. There was a contest, and I didn't even know there was a contest. There was like. Most of them were feature acts and stuff like that and other open micers. And I won. Really? Yeah. I, and they go, you won? And I go, won what? I don't even know what I won. I won $300. <laughs> Did you get a medal? No, I got 300 bucks. <laughs> 300 bucks. That's not bad. Yeah. 
I've been to open mics before and not to watch. And you almost, the ones I've been to, you have to bribe by bringing in like seven or eight friends and then you can get Yeah, but spot. see, back in the old days when I started, people would pack open mics. They wanted to be the one to say, we seen you when you first started. And see, I came up with a, a good crew. I mean, most of us are still doing comedy. They're like Spike Davis. After about a year and a half of open mic, I, I had a partner called Spike Davis, and it was the Mike and Spike show. And he was a black guy, and he played this sophisticated guy. And I was like dumb redneck kind of guy. And we both go up there, and all we did was try to mess with each other, you know. <laughs> you know, try to throw I'd go, hey, Spike, uh, why don't you start out with that song you, you, you like to sing? Then he'd look at me and he'd go, well, I forgot the, how it starts. Would you, won't you go on? <laughs> <laughs> but we did a, uh, back in the old days, you'd open up at strip clubs. I mean, it ain't like night. How long ago was that? Back in like 90. Okay. Comics now, I mean, they're so, oh, oh everything has to be perfect. Oh, I can't work under these conditions, you know. And back in the old days, they'd send you to a strip club and you'd be going up between strippers, you know. Me and Spike did a show, and it was at this redneck white trash. I mean, white trash. It was called the Leaping Frog. So we go in, and it's Hell's Angels. <laughs> <laughs> so we walk up on stage, and of course they're calling Spike, you know, the N word, and they're calling me, uh, you know, all this stuff. So I pull my badge out, my gun, and I lay down the stool. Were you still on the force? Oh the yeah. Thing? And I said, "Whoever heckles next, and if you don't laugh, I'm locking the doors." And I'm going to run everybody for warrants. Now you better laugh. And they loved us. <laughs> Can you do that for me tonight? <laughs> Sorry, <have> that. <laughs> You're killing, baby. You, 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 you do your job very well. It's a, it's a little bit different. I'm not a stand-up. I, I'm a mentalist. If yeah, anybody listening doesn't know. Tell what you do. I'm a thought reader. Is what's yeah. on my business card. Why didn't you show up at my divorce? I could have used you. <laughs> or before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What hotel? I see a hotel. I see a man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're probably changing the subject completely, but when you first started back in the 90s, I've heard from other comics that comedy has changed over the last 20 years. It used to be, uh, if you didn't say the F word every other sentence, they didn't even want to use you. I can remember people going, you're too clean. I can't use you. You're too clean. You're boring. How does that compare to now? Now... You have to be clean almost. Nobody wants to hear the other stuff. Really? You know? Oh yeah. It's it's made it's it's made its full circle. And and you know, and I always told everybody, Well, you wanna be a two hundred dollar a night barroom comic, that's fine. I wanna do corporate and that's what I do mostly. And I do mostly corporate or small theaters because I do the Bob and Tom stuff, you know, but it's a business. It and is. these young comics coming up. You know, they do one open mic, and you ask them what they do for a living. They go, oh, I'm a comic. I go, you're not a comic till you put it on your, you know, your taxes. And, you know, shut your face. I had a guy like, one night I get a standing ovation at a theater. And there's like 800 people. And he'd been open mic for them. He goes, he comes up, and he goes, I made a list of things I thought maybe you might want to do. And I set it on fire. <laughs> I go. Are you just an ignorant jackass? You're an idiot. You're not going to be in this business very long. Or, or they come in, they're open mic, and they got their cousin as managers. And the manager's going, well, my my man needs, uh, you know, chocolate cake, homemade, you know, before he goes on stage. And You're an open micer. Shut up. Do the time. 
They don't want to do the time. Well, I was going to ask you about that. It takes 10 years. That, that's what I was going to ask you. It takes I mean, 10 years. Is that how long you did the open micing? Uh, I did open mic. See, there weren't that many comics when I was doing it. If you did open mic over six weeks, agents were calling you. They needed people. Now there's 10,000 guys, you know, and they're all backstabbing each other. See, that's another thing I'm not used to. So all the comics I came up with, we all helped each other. We traded material. We wrote material for each other. These guys nowadays, they backstab you. And, I mean, they're just ruthless. And they think they're getting ahead, but they're really just making enemies. Yeah, I'm not sure if that just falls uh, or is contained to the comic business because... Oh, it's in everything. Yeah, it's in show business. It is show business because I, I mentalism, what I do, falls under, and, and hypnosis falls under the magic umbrella. Mm-hmm. And magicians are the same way. They just, yeah, and they call you a boat act. That's what we call like guitar acts or uh, magic. That's right. You can't do a show without everybody going back and forth, swaying back and forth. <laughs> yeah, we are so... <laughs> to me, now this is my philosophy. I did PBS, and they asked me about Carrot Top. Carrot Top's a friend of mine, but I don't like his act. Go to Toys R Us and make an act? It makes no sense, you know? <laughs> Have you told him that? Oh, yeah. I, I told him, I go, <laughs> I seen uh, Carrot I said, didn't I see you at Toys R Us buying a new act? You know, I say stuff like that, you know. But he's good for business. Yes. He, he brings in a lot of business out there. Yeah. Any comic, uh, hypnotist, uh, you know, what, what you do, what everybody does, it brings people in. Yep. The more people come in, the more people they want to see uh, everything. Well, it's, it's good for business if if they're good. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I've been with some guys that I go, uh, whoever told you you were funny should be slapped. You know, just, I mean, they're just horrible. And yeah. you go, well, how did you get this gig? And then you get the cocky ones, you know. I'm known for, like, whacking on people. If you're cocky. When they come off, I go, hey, where are you going? What are you going to do? And they go, well, I'm going to go back to the hotel. No, I go, what are you going to do after this pipe dream your comedy is over with? That's what I'm asking you. I mean, I just, there's 2,000 comics and they're all busy. How'd you get this gig? I said, <laughs> <laughs> no, right. Yeah, I, uh, I've seen some comics um, that I, I've mentioned to my wife that, you know, I, I could do comedy if this is what it is. Because they're not good. It, it surprises me that how some of them make it as far as they get in. I don't know if their mom owns a comedy club or what happens, but... Well, you know what? All these comics coming up, they're worried about what everybody else is doing. I don't worry about what they're doing. I've got friends that are jerks. There's one on Comedy Central right now. He's got a really popular show. He's a jerk. I don't (laughs) like him, but, you know, and everybody's like, aren't you mad about that? And I go, why should I be mad about it? He's going to destroy his own career eventually, you know? And I'm making my whatever thousands of dollars a year you know I, I got a condo in louisville i got a, a lake house up in georgia up in the mountains i got a car i got a truck kids are growing they all turned out good i have a good life I, I go to bed when i want to i wake up when i want to people call me i say no i don't want to do that yeah i'll do it i got a good life i'm single and have to deal with all that stuff, you know, my life's good. I think you told me a lot of your bookings come from Facebook. Yeah. And uh, do you have agents that yeah, also I have, represent you. I have like six agents that represent me, but I'd say most of my gigs come from, uh, I'd say 40% come from Facebook. Did you have an agent from the start? No. 
I had an agent after I did HBO and Comedy Central. Didn't they come to you? That, that's what I was going to ask. Eric Diddleman, um, he was the mentalist that made it to the top 10 or something like that on America's Got Talent, is a friend of mine. And I asked him one day, I said, how did you get your agent? He goes, I, I didn't have one. As soon as they saw me get to the top 10 on America's Got oh, Talent. Oh, they come to you? Yeah, they came. And the same here. I, I didn't have anybody talking to me. They wouldn't answer my emails or phone calls until I got into a theater and people started, mm-hmm. to, started to notice me. And then the agents came. Oh, yeah. Then they come. But, you know, people sign with these agents too much, you know, and I go, it's not what you can do for them. It's what they can do for you. You tell, you say, what can you do for me? Because I'm already doing okay. You're not going to get 15% of my money if you're not doing nothing for me. My manager got me a, a half hour special on CMT. So I thought, well, she's got some pools. So I signed with her for two years. And then uh, after that, it was just like nothing. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I paid out the boo-hoo-hoo over for that half hour. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of people go, oh, you've been on HBO and Comedy Central. You know what? All it does is justify you charging a lot of theaters because most people have never seen you. Yeah, that's right. Unless they're clicking through or you're, like, really, really big, you know, I'm on HBO 2, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and... And Comedy Central showing it at one o'clock in the morning. And I said something about Obama. And so that kind of, you know, they kneeled me after that anyway, <laughs> you know, five years. And, and you tend to stay away from politics now, though. I've always stayed away from politics. Yeah. I just got sick of everybody talking about Obama being a god. And so I thought, man, I'm going to say something nasty. And yeah. the joke was, uh, I said, I said, how do you people think Obama's Jesus? Jesus could build a cabinet. That's all I said. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> That's all I said. And they got over a million complaints from these little trust fund yuppies that's never worked a day in their life. Shoot off know? an email. Oh, yeah. Ooh, we're going <laughs> to stop his career. He offended me. Do you find the, uh, the new comics get, trying to get into the business now? Are they wanting to find an agent right away? Yeah. I think their biggest problem is they want to walk the edge. They want to be that anti-establishment, you know, we hate the Republicans and, you know, we're, you know, poor people, blah, 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 you know, yeah. you know, and, you know, and all they want to do is get drunk and hit on the wait staff. Most of them don't go very far. Now, I know if you look at people that have been in the business for a while, there's nothing like that. It's, it's, it's a business first. Mm-hmm. And you have to know how to run your business and how to speak with people and how to treat people right or mm-hmm. you're not getting anywhere. And and there might be a little big in their little bitty, their little pond, you mm-hmm. know, their open mic pond. And then all of a sudden they're talking to agents and demanding stuff. These yeah. agents are getting like 50,000 people. And they're not going to put up with that crap, you know. And I tell these guys, shut your face. Be as clean as you can. If you do hit the road, make sure your car is running right. Have AAA and have a credit card with at least $500 because when you check in the hotel now, they want, because some of them tear up stuff and, you know, and all. I mean, just trying to build a reputation. There was one I knew and he would just do all kinds of stuff, just trying to get a reputation. And he went to jail like four times and everybody went, hey, you're too risky. You know, I worked with him one time. Funny guy, just a punk. He ordered a pizza without having any money. 
when the pizza guy brought it, he took a bite and said, well, I ain't got no money. What are you going to do about it now? Well, the guy calls the cops. So the cops come to my room and said, we're taking him to jail if you don't pay $16. I said, take him to jail. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a little odd uh, with some of the people that I run into. That Now, see, I, it doesn't bother me uh, if a comic or any other entertainer plays blue or if they're completely clean. Uh, I have always been clean only because I think, like you, I started off in the corporate market. And you have to play clean in the corporate market. And um, I didn't see a need to go any well, other even, way. Even when you're clean in a corporate show, they'll nitpick you. Oh, they do. You know, I, I used to do uh, corporate shows for uh, Dairy Queen. We didn't end bad or nothing. It's just I said something like uh, I, was, I walked in the restaurant and uh, the hotel was monstrous. There was rodeo people and Dairy Queen people. And just so happens, a big wig for Dairy Queen. Rodeo, rodeo people. Yeah. Where'd they come from? Uh, I have no idea. Okay. There's a rodeo in town. They were all standing there. And, and then the Dairy Queen people. I mean, right. It was like a real, I mean, like thousand room monster hotel. When you walked in the restaurant, you said, well, I'm with Dairy Queen. You got your meals free or rodeo. So the girl goes, are you with Dairy Queen or the rodeo? And I took my cap off and I said, I'm with Dairy Queen. Can't you tell the way my hair swirled? <laughs> well, just so happened the head of Dairy Queen was sitting there and it made him mad. <laughs> really? He just happened to hear you? Yeah. Made him mad. But his dad was the big boss and his dad was like 90 something years old and his dad is the one that liked me. So okay. he always had me. After his dad died, I knew that was gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know what people are going to take offense to. Well, you know, I see a lot of uh, entertainers coming into the business what you do or what I do. And uh, they, they think if they're good, that's all they need to be. Uh, if they, they do the open mics and they get really good, people will notice them. Once in a while that happens, but there's a lot of work that I know I do besides the 80 minutes that I'm on stage. Right. And uh, I don't think a lot of the new, well, a lot of the old guys that I know. You got to work do the phone. Work. You got to, you know, I'm on the phone probably four hours a day. Me too. If I'm, if not, I'm checking my emails, my Facebook, and some of these guys check their emails like every three days. I go, are you an idiot? Yeah, somebody else is going to get that gig. Yeah. Yeah. Because they want to know now. I've had gigs where they call me or uh, email me and say, can you do this? And I go, let me get my book. And by the time I get back, within minutes, they go, we already got it booked. Yep. And you get these guys that uh, they just don't try hard. They want other comics to take them with them. I got a friend like that. The only work he does is when I take him or somebody else takes him. So I cut him off. I did it for a year, and I cut him off. Just January. He did New Year's Eve with me. I said, you know, this is the last one. He goes, I thought we were friends. We are friends, but this is the last one because you're lazy. You're living with your girlfriend that works two jobs. You're using her car, and you're wanting everybody to pick you up to take you on a gig with them. No. <laughs> that's, and that's yeah. that's normal comic, though. Oh, yeah. Well, we talked about this the other night, too. Um, people, entertainers, comics, or people in my business, too, coming in, and they want to guest during your set. No. At some point. I, I I don't let anybody on, either. I mean, I, I'll i bring them in at the club, but I don't don't let them on during my set. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, they're, they're going to try to push their agenda, and they're liable to take that show in a completely different direction. And they're F-bomb and everything. And then all of a sudden, the other two acts are clean. Because every time I bring somebody with me, they're clean. And then all of a sudden, I got a guest spot. It's up there, you know, talking about his mom. And and these are the same people that 
um, either are jealous or wonder why we're where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and like, oh, not, you just can't follow me. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you just got lucky. Yeah. You guys, I, I have a lot of people tell me that. But well, I'm you sure know, you I've had too. comics uh, that hated me because I was on Bob and Tom all the time. And they weren't. How did that happen? You know, it was really weird. A friend of mine got me on Bob and Tom, and I ate it. Literally, just did terrible. And they asked me, they said, oh, thanks for coming out. After 10 minutes, I was on there. I went, oh, my gosh. I mean, I What ate went it. so wrong? I mean, what was it? First I, time know, on the radio or something, or was it? No, I, I just it wasn't gelling. Oh, was, okay. It was like 7 o'clock in the morning. I just didn't feel good, and I wasn't into it. And I knew I screwed up, but I just went, okay, if I ever get another shot on there, I'll be prepared. A year later, I see Tom in the mall, and he goes, hey, uh, didn't we have you on the show? And I go, yeah, I said, I did terrible. I can't make excuses. I just wasn't ready. I, I just wasn't prepared for that kind of, uh, you know, five people sitting around, you know, a monster room, and, and everybody's talking at one time, and you know, you're trying to jump in, and he goes, well, let's try it one more time. Come on in tomorrow. I come in. Why do you think he did that? Tom's a great guy. Bob's a great guy. Everybody on that show is just, I can't say enough about them. I make the sign of the cross when I say their name. Because, I mean, without them, I wouldn't have no nothing. Yeah. I wouldn't have nothing. I'd be out of business. But I went in, and I never told anybody I was an ex-cop. Never. And somebody emailed in. You know, he was a cop. Ask him about the time he shot that guy's finger off. Well, now I'm telling police stories. Right. That's how I learned about you. And they loved me. They had me in the next day, which has never happened, and played me for like two hours before the show even started. And I killed again. They know I appreciate them so much, but I don't suck up to them. I talk to them like they're normal people. When I did my first CD, Bob and Tom produced it. Start to finish. They even brought in all the stuff for the recorded live. Uh, I mean, they did it all and never charged me a nickel. That's nice. Because they want to help comics. Yeah, they've launched a lot of careers. And they don't want nothing in return. I mean, they really, no, they really don't. don't. They really don't want anything in return. Well, they really don't need anything, I guess. Yeah, but you know, yeah. you would think people with that much power would have big heads, but they don't. That's nice. And, it's good and, to hear. Like I told you, I said when I had my house built, one brick went in and said the house of Bob and Tom built. Yeah. Yeah. Because I knew where my money was coming from. And uh, I can't say nothing but good things about them. Nothing but good things. I mean, they, they, I mean, you, you say they launched your career. I mean, oh, yeah. It's because of them. Because uh, I would have never got nothing. So what happened? Did things happen after the first time or the second time you were on Bob Second Tom? time I was on, it shut my website down. I had so many people. I mean, it was just craziness. I mean, it's like you become an instant celebrity. More people listen to Bob and Tom than The Tonight Show, David Letterman, all put together. And worldwide, because I subscribe yeah. to their VIP. Yeah. Because I can't, I, I just don't have time in the morning. Yeah, I'm mean, not up because of my schedule. And, uh, and people, a lot of times they don't even know what you look like. But, yeah. but they love you, you know. Yeah. And when you're somewhere, they come piling out. I mean, Bob and Tom fans are the best in the world. And you do these theaters, and there might be four Bob and Tom guys, and they just, and we're all completely different, but they adjust to each person. It's really weird. Four different personalities and four different types of whatever, and uh, 
Plus, I'm different from other comics. Everybody knows I'm real clean, but if you listen to my jokes, I'm cruel. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've noticed that. But I laugh about it because they know I'm, I'm kidding, but I'm cruel. Yeah. And But everybody goes, oh, he's so cute when he wants to kill his wife, you know, and that kind of stuff. Because I'm little, and I laugh. I laugh all the time. I'm, I'm yeah. just, I just have a good time. I think I heard you the first time you were on the Bob and Tom. I've been listening to him for years. and well, See, I've gotten to the point I don't have to be funny anymore when I go No, you there. can just be I just talk. you. Yeah. And, and I usually take the side of police, whatever's going on, or there for something, I'll go the opposite direction, you know, yeah. just to make them mad. Well, it know? seems like that at least uh, Tom is, he, he does his homework. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he knows, uh, he, he leads whoever's on the show. He yeah, does the he best that he can in. to make them look good. Right. And if you don't look good, it's, it's your not fault. his fault. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's your fault. And yeah. that's true. Yeah. I've seen guys, uh, there was one guy they had on the show one time and he was just anti police, just anti police. And I was coming in to make a commercial for him. I was doing a voice or something, one of the voices, characters or something. Yeah. And they, Bob comes up, come in here and tear this guy up. <laughs> <laughs> the guy had no idea that he was being set up. And I was just ripping this guy. He was from New York. <laughs> I was just ripping him to pieces. And then the guy calls me white trash. <laughs> really? <the> air. <laughs> I was dying laughing. I go, white trash. I go, white trash, knock you out of that chair, boy. <laughs> I said, I'm a redneck. I'm going to be waiting out in the parking lot. I said, I'm going to beat your ass when you come out. <laughs> And he was scared to death. I've heard uh, somebody from the Bob and Tom show, you know, right after a comic leaves uh, that's new or maybe the next day, make just under their breath, but they say it on the air, is that, well, he won't be back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I always tell everybody, I go, if you hear Bob go, mm-hmm, that means you're gone. <laughs> when you do a joke and you do a couple jokes and he goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you're gone. Yeah. Because that's, um, Bob don't put up with nothing. Yeah. I love Bob. He's just, he's just funny to me. Oh, see, yeah. I talk to Bob whenever I'm done there. Like last time I was there, I, when I walked in the room, I said, I'm going to start a fight with Chick. You know, <laughs> and I don't even know why I did it. I go, hey, Chick, uh, do those shirts come in men's colors? <laughs> <laughs> that's how he goes, oh, Armstrong's going to whack me. Huh? <laughs> And I go, you know, I'm just in the mood. <laughs> and, uh, and then I, we start tearing each other up. You know, Christy's going, boys, boys. And I go. <laughs> and, but she's playing along because everybody, but the listeners are thinking, oh, my God, they're really getting at each other. Oh, they do. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't understand it's a show. So Chick acts yeah. like he's going to the bathroom. Uh -huh. thing, so I licked the top of his Pepsi. <laughs> so I opened up the cap and looked. <laughs> Christy goes, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so Chick takes a drink, and I go, you know you got my DNA in your mouth. You know? <laughs> uh, or he'll go to the bathroom and won't wash his hands, and he'll walk by and just rub my face with his hands. <laughs> oh, <that's nice. laughs> you know, it's, there's a payback to everything. It, but it, on the Bob and Tom show or in live, when I see comics live, some of them make me really uneasy because I can't believe uh, some of the things that they say or that they're really that bad. And I said, well, it's leading up to something and it never goes anywhere. Yeah. Uh, well, I, that's when they got a message or something stupid, you know. Yeah, but how do they not know? I mean, because I you play know, for the audience. I yeah. want the audience 
involved and I want them laughing and having a good time. I can't see standing up there and not getting the reaction that I want without changing what I do. See, when I first started out, all the comics wanted to give a message or they wanted to be on the edge. And I said, my whole goal is to be a step above a knock-knock. And if you listen to my jokes, they're one-liners, boom, 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 boom. And they're dumber than dumb. I mean, you just listen to them. I mean, they're dumb. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what makes me laugh during my show because I look at some people, you know, and they don't get it. And I go, how can you not get what I'm saying? Well, last night you rattled off several right in a row right at the end because you were working on the two ladies up front that just, I couldn't get a reaction out of them and I let you handle it. But yeah. I don't think you did much. So, <laughs> well, you know, I just wanted her to think that me and her, I wanted her to think that the audience thought we were dating. And they knew we weren't. Yeah. But she wasn't sure <laughs> if they knew that we weren't. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's uh, people like that. I don't know why they pay to come to a comedy club. Uh, you know what? It's Misery Loves Company. I guess so. I think she probably went through a bad divorce or something. She just hates men. Now, you, it's kind of a, uh, it's a small percentage that you got the chance and Bob and Tom launched your career. You're right. All, all the other comics either get into the business or that are in the business or even what I do, my my side. We're not comics, but we're entertainers, I guess. Variety right. entertainment. Yeah, you're entertainer. Yeah. What's some what do you do? Thrown in. Yeah, what do you do if you can't get on the Bob and Tom? I mean, what's uh, have somebody take you? Is that what it is? Yeah, but you're gonna have to tell jokes, you know. Yeah, because you can't be a mentalist on their show, you know. Yeah, that's they, right. they don't have time. That, yeah, Justin Wilman is a magician. Do you know who he is? He was on Cupcake Wars. He was the host of that. But he's a magician. But now he, he's building himself as a comic magician, and he was on. Bob and Tom about a month ago or two months ago, and, and he was just on it again this week. Hmm. Uh, they they had him back. But he, he's also, he's got a Comedy Central special coming up and stuff like yeah. that, too. Well, he's probably got writers. Yeah, he does. Yeah, He, he probably buys jokes. And, you know, Tom's always saying that he, he likes uh, he likes magic. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, the staff kind of, the, the, the gatekeepers keep the magicians and everybody else out. Yeah. Uh, because it's hard to do on the radio. Yeah. You have to be. It's kind of like being a mom. You yeah. Know? They don't sell CDs. You know? That's right. That's right. I had a mom tell me one time, he goes, how come you sell so many CDs? I go, well, moms don't sell CDs. No. <laughs> a DVD, maybe. <laughs> they don't even sell those because people don't want to watch somebody acting like they're pulling no. a rope. You know? Oh, I'm walking against the wind. Who cares? Yeah. You know? Well, what if what if somebody doesn't know anybody on the, uh, to get on Bob and Tom and, and doesn't know anybody that can get them on Bob and Tom, how, how, how does anybody succeed? They don't get on. <laughs> well, I mean, I know that, but I mean, just in the business itself. You know what? It it just don't happen. You know, you're just unless you're in a movie. It's forget just hard. it. Yeah, forget it. You're just doing open mics and maybe getting paid for a corporate gig here yeah. and there. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the guys that do magic make a lot of money on corporate gigs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but they underbid themselves. And that's something I did do. You know what I did? I had a bunch of friends that were magicians, and so I became a hypnotist. Yeah. And uh, so I, I started charging like. Twelve hundred and twenty six hundred, and my See, price kept going 5, up. Yeah, my price kept going up as the years went by, and my magician friends were still charging like five hundred to seven fifty. See, and they said, "What's the difference?" They said, "Because it says hypnotist on my card, not magician. That's the only thing." And, and you know what? I think I truly think the more you charge, the better they think you are. That's the right. The more demands you make, like, okay, I want a suite. I want food in my room, and I put that in my contract. I want food in my room. I want. uh and I always come up. There's a drink in Kentucky that nobody else has. It's called Big Red. It's oh, number, yeah. It's number one drink in Kentucky. 
beats Coke, everybody else. Yep. I always go three big reds in my room. Now they got to scramble to find big reds. It's hard to find those. Exactly. We had them in Ohio too because yeah. I moved from there. Yeah. Yeah. Now they got to scramble. But they think you're more important if the more difficult you make it. I, I don't understand that logic. It's just like this this true story comic that's bigger than I am did a free show for this corporate people in Louisville. They said, well, he did it free. And I said, well, how many gigs did he get out of it? And they said, none. I said, well, uh, there you go. I said, five grand. They said, well, we kind of budgeted only like $500. <coughs> and I said, I can get you a $500 comic, but yeah. you're not going to have any fun. <laughs> and they said, okay, we'll pay you 5000 And he did it for nothing, thinking he was going to get all these gigs. I mean, how dumb are you? Yeah, I found it, though, uh, when I started, my wife actually beat it into me. It's hard to sell myself. I just think I'm the best at whatever I do. Yeah, well, I'm getting better at it. I mean, I know I'm good, but it's hard to sell myself. No, think of yourself as the best. Uh, think of them that they're lucky to have you. Yeah. That you gave them that time in your life. Because a, a guy told me one time, and I live by that, we don't get paid for what we do. We get paid for the inconvenience of doing it. I'd rather be at home with my dogs sitting on the couch. Yeah, the travel time in airports and going, the car. And hey, I feel like going to bed now. Yeah. And they're paying for it. I want stuff out of life. I don't want to just, oh, God, man, I'm glad I got to pay my electric bill. I want part of the electric company. I want to buy stock in that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's the way I feel about it. And and if you don't want to harm me, that's fine. So how much longer are you going to be doing this? Probably about two more years. Yeah, or, seriously? Yeah, that's it. How'd you come up with that deadline? I just decided I'm going to sell everything and I'm going to buy like a little lake house in Kentucky on a Kentucky lake and just fish every day. How do you stop? I've never really liked comedy. It's, it's a business. It's a business. Yeah, that's how I treat them. I, I enjoy the people that I meet. I've made so many friends here in Hilton Head. I feel like me and you are good friends. Yeah. I feel like Dr. Sizemore, the chiropractor, was working. I feel like me and him were good friends. We were goofing off. He was laying on my car this morning. Why? I came in early, and I'm sitting there texting one of my kids. I look up, and he's, like, laying on my car with his face out of my windshield, you know? How many doctors do that, you know? Because <laughs> I was telling him how hot his wife was and all that kind of stuff. I go, he goes, man, she she got a big head when we left. I go, well, me, me and Bill was talking about it. We thought she was hot. <laughs> well, yeah, I had to send you to somebody because you couldn't walk. I when couldn't you got walk. Here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was like Frankenstein whenever I started finally getting to walk a little bit, man. Now we have an official doctor of the club here. Yeah, that's because cool. Of you. Yeah. You know, and you need one. Being in a plane or in the car and all the travel. You know, and every you. comic don't feel good when they get there. And, and half of them, you need to get a psychiatrist, too, because half of them are nuts. You know, they're going through something. Yeah. You know, I, I worked with a guy last week, and he was an alcoholic, and he had quit. He was shaking all the time. You know, it's just, it's always something, you know. I don't take drugs. I don't drink. I don't hit on women. I just want to do my job and leave. That's, that's why, I'm, like, when I work clubs, most of the time the manager or the managers and the owners, they go on vacation when I'm there because they know there's not going to be one bit of trouble. Yep. Because I'm not going to do nothing. I got that reputation of not causing any trouble. and I, I don't want no trouble, you know. I don't have nothing to prove. 
you know, like people, I'm a big Kentucky Wildcat fan. Somebody will want to argue with me about something. I go, eh, you're about 30 years too late on that. <laughs> you know, 30 years ago, I would have argued. Yeah. I don't feel like arguing anymore. I just want to, if they win, they win. They lose, they lose. I go on with life. My bills are still on the table. My life is not going to change one way or another. Yep. Two questions. Uh, first one is, what? what's the one thing... If somebody asked you um, what it takes to succeed in, in the business, what would you tell them? Uh, I'd say uh, be a person of your word. Uh, I mean, I don't even sign contracts most of the time. It's, uh, they know if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to cancel on them for a better gig. It pays more. I've had gigs where I'm going to get paid 700 bucks, and then somebody offered me 7000 I go, I can't do it. I say, I've never missed a show. Uh, I don't do yeah. it. I mean, when I came in this here, all of them were, t- even the agents and that were going, you need to go on and go home. I said, I don't miss gigs. I walked in here. I couldn't even hardly walk. Right. I don't do that. You know, it's, yep. uh, if you do it once, second time gets easier. That, that's true. I had a, uh, a guy that traveled with me. He was my regular opening act and he missed two gigs. And they were stupid reasons. I just told him, you're gone. And he didn't understand that. He goes, well, but I said, in your world, you had a good excuse. In my world, you didn't. Yeah, that's right. You know, bad weather, too bad. Yeah, nobody, everybody else was there to watch. Yeah. So you need to be there. Well, yeah, I mean, it was literally a, uh, I think they called it a level two snowstorm. Yeah. I called a cab from the hotel and had but I came in a day early because I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, you're playing for that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. He was going to just try to drive seven hours in seven hours. And I go, why didn't you leave the day before? <laughs> I don't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, you missed a gig. But the place was packed because those people were used to that crap. Yep. You know, he's gone. Yeah, that seems fair. The last question, what do you want to be remembered for? Just having a good time. You know, everybody Everybody knows I have a good time. I'm not a bad person. Everybody knows I'm a good person. I think I'm a good person. I treat everybody good. Uh, I always say put everybody on the payroll, yeah. you know, tip good. You know, tip, I mean, hotel staff, tip them, you know. Yeah. Just keep everybody on the payroll. Be nice. Just treat everybody the way you want to be treated. There's not a whole lot of people in the business. I mean, there's there's some people in the business, but a lot of them don't. They don't treat They're people. egomaniacs. Yeah. And uh, and don't take yourself serious. I mean, you know, after I did the first TV show, I had a, a thousand people going, hey, the doors are open. Just walk through it. You know, you're going to be big. And I go, yeah, right. <laughs> you're telling that to everybody that's doing what I'm doing, you know. And, and literally, after you do like HBO and Comedy Central, CMT, you get a whole bunch of them together. You actually become depressed because you go, oh, what's going to happen what, now? What's next? And seeing I had it. I had an offer to be on a sitcom and, and, uh, on CMT, and, and I turned it down. I'm not going to put that kind of pressure on me to try to remember all these lines and be there 16 hours a day and just be miserable. I'm not going to do it for the money. Oh, I'd have made a boatload of money, but then I wouldn't have been able to be around my grandkids, my kids, uh, uh, and then I'd just been miserable all the time. Yeah, you have to be clear on what you want. Yeah, because... I, you know, I'm 62 years old. I don't want to remember 10 pages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Every week. You know, and I told him, I go, make me the wacky neighbor next door, three or four lines. I'm good. I'll give you the best of the three or four lines. <laughs> but I'm not going to do 
eight, nine pages. I'm not going to do that because I, I, I don't want to try to remember all that crap. Yeah. I would just be miserable all the time. I, there would be so much. Think of it. How would you like to have to memorize like 10 pages or something every week? Every week and retakes. Yeah. Yeah, everything. And, yeah. You know, and I did commercials for CMT. I, I think it's one of them still out. And they were fun. And the one they used the most is the one I didn't say a word. Because I decided, I go, let's try it without me talking. And they said, okay. And I'm just making like faces like I was like, uh, bored, you know. And it was uh, Melissa. She's on uh, Reba, the big tall Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She got her own sitcom. So she's going, oh, there's Mike Armstrong. Come here, Mike Armstrong. Come here, Mike. I got my own sitcom. And I'm just sitting there staring at her boobs. <laughs> and she goes, I'm up here. And I go, huh. <laughs> 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 so she she's talking to me, and I'm kind of like, mm, mm, you know, like got a bored look on my face. She goes, what are you thinking? I went, Ugh, and I walk away. <laughs> <laughs> my, my son that's a very critical on me because he's always been my critic, and I always go to him. He goes, God, I hate to say it, but it was actually funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a priest. Ah, he's, he's telling the truth then, right? Yeah, he, he always tells me, you'd be nothing without me. <laughs> <laughs> I need to keep that up. All right, well, we need to be, uh, we opened the doors in about a half hour here. Oh, so Man, this time went fast. Yeah, went, we were shooting for a half hour, went for an hour. So. Oh, well, you that use good. it. Yeah, that's right. All right, well, Mike, I want to thank you for uh, uh, Thanks for having me, Bill. Talking and, uh, Can I call you Willie? Just sure. this one time. Just one this time. one time. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks, Willie. All right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.